You are listening to episode three. On today's episode, I got to interview Vivian K, founder and CEO of Kinky Curly Yaki. And one of the reasons I reached out to her is because she was able to popularize a new type of hair extension for African and African-American women, one that would actually celebrate their authentic curls. And I wanted to know how she broke into that industry. So you get to hear a little bit about her journey and her hustle today. Welcome to the Okiki Podcast, where we make inspirational people known. Brought to you by your host, Fian O'Brien. Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in today. This is the Okiki Podcast. And today I have Vivian Kay. Vivian Kay is an entrepreneur and she has started a six-figure business and she makes hair extensions that have a natural curl texture. So I was very excited to interview her today because as an African-Canadian woman, it was very exciting to see someone be successful in having that type of hair on the market. So I wanted to learn more about her and thank you so much for coming in today. You're absolutely welcome. It's my pleasure. And Vivian, please tell us about your career path and your educational background and what brought you here today in doing what you're doing right now. Uh, well, first, I'd like to make a correction. I run a seven-figure business. Seven-figure. Oh, even better. Yes. Less <laughs> dollars on top yes. of that, right? Yes. So, um, so yeah. So uh, what I do is I own Kinky Curly Yaki. It's textured hair extensions for black women. Uh-huh. Um, and I started this back in 2012. So wow. I am the OG of the niche. So this niche did wow. not exist before uh, before I, I created it back in December of 2012. Um, and how I started it is because I was trying to solve my own problem. Yeah. Um, before this business, I had another business where I was a wedding decorator and I needed something that suited my lifestyle uh, and f- it felt authentic on me because I was tired of the whole African in the front and Indian in the back. Yes. And so, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. And so, um, again, I was trying to solve my own problem. I didn't set out to start a business. Wow. Uh, okay. Yeah. Those are the best businesses to start. The best businesses to start when <laughs> you're solving a problem. Right. Um, so I, uh, so I searched um, for some textures. Like you know, I was looking for some kinky textures, but what I found. Um, Oh, especially on other on other business websites, I found right. that they buried the kinky textures underneath the Brazilian, Malaysian, all those exotic textures du jour. Absolutely. And yeah, yeah. So I wanted something that looked authentic on me. And I thought, hmm, that's weird that no one just sells kinky hair. You know, I just had that information filed in the back of my head. Hmm. Um, I finally found a manufacturer um, that could make all the kinky textures that I required. Um, and then one day I wore it to a black girl meetup group. Right. And woman was asking me what my regimen was, who my hairdresser was. And I was like, girl. Yes. <laughs> and when she said, you know, when I told her it was a weave, she's like, oh, wow, I would totally buy that. And that's when the light bulb went off. So right. I thought, well, if she would buy it and I would buy it, 
that means there's got to be at least, you know, a hundred other women that would buy it. Um, so in the down season of, uh, of Vivian's Decor, which was my wedding business, I launched Kinky Curly Yaki. Wow. Um, and I, I literally started it with nothing. So um, I launched it with just, um, I had one of those, you see this, this drawer here, this Rubbermaid drawer? Yes. I had one of these, just yes. five bins. And yes. I had one piece, I had one piece of hair in each of the bins. And that's how I started my business. Wow. Um, I find that so amazing and it's kind of cool what you're talking about because I know when I was setting out to go, I've been out of college for like three years. (laughs) So when I, before I kind of got into the career world, there's like a family friend. Um, of course he was more of like French Canadian descent, but one of the things he was telling me was, um, when I'm applying for a job, I may want to have a different look than what I had at the time was yarn braids. Yeah, and it was kind of like a little bit of an ouch factor at the time. But he was saying that if you go into the corporate world, they're going to look at that as like, you know, dreads and they're going to have all these funny stereotypes about you. So you may want to do something else. Um, And that, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Yes. And so I had this moment because when you're talking about authentic, I just thought, I kind of went through this whole phase, right? Like now I have natural hair. Um, And so I was like, I'm really not trying to make myself look like my counterparts. Like I live in Saskatchewan, so there's a lot more Caucasian people here. So I'm I'm, I'm really trying to embrace (laughs) things that look... Sorry, I didn't know you were in Saskatchewan. Okay. Yes, yes. That explains a lot. It's a beautiful place, but that's just something growing up that I had to kind of come to terms with so authentic like you're saying like finding the more authentic look it was kind of so I was kind of on this search for like curly crochet hair because I kind of had this little rebel in me that's like okay I'm gonna look professional but I'm not gonna try and look like my friends that's not me and so I really appreciate that here's the thing here's what I have a problem because I I I sort of say the same thing because we uh, you know we know what it we know what it we're referring to when we say quote-unquote presentable right right so here's what I here's what's actually been happening is that we have to get them used to how we actually look like. That's we, what I would love. <laughs> yeah, because if we keep you know straightening our hair and and you know trying to conform to what their standard of beauty is, they're never going to know what we're supposed to look like. Right. Mm-hmm. So by us and, you know, and that's part of the, that's actually the absolute reason why I created Kinky Curly Yaki is because I wanted to give women the confidence to show up as they are in the workplace. Except sometimes, you know, we got to protect our hair because I know Saskatchewan can get really cold in the winter. Right? And <laughs> yes. our hair isn't made for those types of climates. So you've got to protect it. Absolutely. So if you're going to protect it, let's protect it with textures that look believable. Right, the 32 inches of Indian hair down to your butt. I mean, that works for Nicki Minaj, but it doesn't work for the girl working at the corporate in a corporate setting. Yes, absolutely, and I agree. And yeah, that's one of the reasons I was so drawn to what you created because that just after a while, like I grew up doing that, but I was kind of conflicted by it. After a while, I just thought this doesn't look like me, you know, (laughs) it doesn't look the same. And when I would go for the curlier crochets, my friends would actually like it more. So it was kind of like this reality check of like, you have to check what authentic beauty really is. I'm sure you had that journey, obviously yourself for you to even come to the place of creating this brand. Yeah. Well, luckily I was in a business for myself at the time. Yes. 
But again, I wanted to show up as authentically me. I'm not, if there's one thing I learned is that you have to show people what you are about. You yes. can't conform to what they think you should be because mm-hmm. what kind of life is that? Mm-hmm, Just mm-hmm. going through life pretending to be someone that you're not. I am not a girl. Like when I wear, even, you know, even when I do wear long silky hair, I, it doesn't feel natural on me. Like yeah, it doesn't yeah. feel authentic. So yeah. that, was, that was my goal with creating this brand was to help black women show up authentically in every area of life that they need to show up in and not worry about what, you know, Karen or Chad thinks about what their hair is, looks like. This, right? Yeah. Yeah. Focus on my work, Karen. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I feel like um, you kind of skipped some of the other questions I had just, just explaining your story. Um, yeah. So you kind of talked about what inspired you to be an entrepreneur, that, that, that wasn't what you set out to do. It was, it was to fulfill a need of your own. And then I had a question of, do you mind telling us a little bit about your heritage? Because I personally found it interesting learning about that. <laughs> yeah, well, um, I was born in Ghana. Okay. Uh, okay. So yeah, I was born in Ghana in the 70s um, and then came over um, with my mother in her lap. So oh. she and I journeyed to Canada together. My father was already here, so okay. he's good for us. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, you know, you can basically say I'm a Canadian, but you know, with a with a with a bunch of Ghana inside, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Um. So ba- I'm a first generation um, wow. immigrant. Yeah. Um, I'm a college dropout. Uh, you know. Wow. Uh, yeah. I would never have guessed dropout. that. Yeah, well, uh. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess all the you know the big people now, Steve Jobs and all, <laughs> they they did it too. So <laughs> guess it doesn't mean <laughs> any well, everything. You know what you want to do, right? Like I'm not saying I wouldn't. Like I just recently finished. Um, I actually just recently did a week at Tuck School okay. of Business at Dartmouth. Okay. Um, so that's an Ivy League school down in New Hampshire. Oh, um, awesome! Yeah, I received the Community Commerce Fellowship from Shea Moisture. Wow. Um, so yeah. So um, basically, I, I went to a program called Building a High Performance Business, and they mm-hmm. had a minority cohort. So these are businesses that are you know doing that are high performers already, and yeah. so we went to go learn from the Ivy League professors how we can further excel and strategize and uh, and, and build on upon our existing businesses. Um, and so I absolutely see the value in, in getting a degree. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, you know, depending on what you're using it for, it's not absolutely necessary. I'm, I'm from the school of hard knocks, but now yeah. I'm also a believer that I will, I will send my son to university because mm-hmm. I believe every generation has to yeah. get better, right? Yeah. The yeah. only way we're going to be, the only way we're going to do some things in this life is if we start with the generation and then the next, we, we set up ourselves for success for the next generation to do even better. So right. my parents came from a village in Togo. Wow. With, you know, my only my father maybe had an elementary school education. My mother didn't get an education. She came here. Then I got an education, but I only, I only did, I only went up to high school technically and then did a few, then did a year of university, but dropped out because it wasn't for me. Mm -hmm. Now that I've done that and I have all this entrepreneurial experience, like I wish I'd known all this when I was young. Yeah. But now I know what to do with my son. So now I'm going to study what he's actually good at. Right? right. And then push him in the direction of where he should go. So if he wants to become an entrepreneur, that's fine. Go to business school too. Mm. Okay. Go to business school, get that foundation mm-hmm. so that you, when you get the experience, you have it all. Mm. 
right? You can bring both the both worlds, both of the worlds together. So, um, you know, it's always, it's up to us to just learn, to learn yeah. what, you know, to do what, you know, I guess it's tough when your parents say, oh, I want you to go to school and be a lawyer, but you don't want to be a lawyer. <laughs> well, you know what? Go yeah. to school and learn whichever you need to learn. Cause trust me, the foundation right. is priceless. Now I understand it. Having done yeah. a week, I know it was only a week, but that yeah. was what the, one of the most intense weeks I have ever done in my life. So I can't even wow. imagine. Oh, yeah. yeah. But I think too, it does add to have that like practical knowledge combined with school because sometimes when you're in school and you don't know what you want to do, it just feels like, where's all this theory? Like, what am I going to do with it? So I, I feel like because you have already like this trajectory that you're on it just made you probably go at it <laughs> more intense than the average person right <laughs> yeah well it actually just confirmed that you know all that i all that i learned through my because i've been an entrepreneur for going on 13 years now oh, and i've been a awesome. full-time entrepreneur for the last 10 or for the wow. yeah, 2000 uh, sorry 2020 will be 10 years oh, um, yeah. so um so yeah so all the things that i've learned in 10 years and then, you know, going to this program, I realized, wow, I know a lot more than I think I do. Mm. Right. Mm. Um, you know, of course there's the more, you know, I know the more practical, but they, they're learning more theory. So it was yes. good to learn the theory matched the practical. Um, yes. but yeah, yeah, school, finish it and then go do what you want. <laughs> <laughs> That's beautiful. And also just beautiful to hear the background of your parents and you and how they even made it here, how you made it here. That's, that's inspiring all by itself. So yeah. And I wanted to ask you then as an African Canadian entering this industry, you said it was like non-existent, this niche you created when you entered in. So uh, did you ever like feel intimidated trying to create this brand that would become a global brand? And uh, what were there like more obstacles in the way than you expected? Or were there obstacles that kind of made you wonder if, if this is still a good idea? Uh, you know, such is life, right? Everything that you think, everything that you do, it doesn't matter what you touch, you always question whether or not you should be um, doing what you're doing. Um, so I want to say that the biggest obstacle is myself. It's really your mindset. It's really all about, it's all in your head. Um, because I like to say there are, um, there are people out there who are mediocre and are doing the things that you say you want to do and they're doing it anyways. Right. right? So right. we tend to get in our heads a lot and think, oh, well, be I used to think, oh, because I don't have a, a degree, I don't know, I don't know what I'm doing, and mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. you know, uh, this is all sheer luck. No, it turns out it's not sheer luck. What I did <laughs> was I nurtured my natural talents. So yeah. is, I, I just figured stuff as, out as I was going along, and it turns out it's because it, becomes, it, it comes naturally to me. Right. But I kept the obstacle in my mind was, well... All these people have degrees. All these people have education. I don't. I don't know what I'm talking about. Mm. So you know, I suffer. To, I suffer. I and I continue to suffer from imposter syndrome. Right. That's a huge. <laughs> that's a huge, huge obstacle, thing, especially yeah. in the entrepreneurial space. And you mm. know, social media doesn't help that either, right? No. No. A bunch of you know mediocre people who haven't even run businesses with their <laughs> you know with their with their uh, you know their lackluster motivational quote saying. Um, you know, uh, saying all these things and they've never run a business make, trying to make you feel like you don't know what you're doing and you need their help to do it, even though they've never run a business. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's, yeah, it's really, it's really all, it's all, you know, I could, I could go on and name some, you know, actual physical um, barriers, but really 
it's the mindset that's the biggest barrier um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to people succeeding in business. Hmm. Yeah. So, and you really answered my fourth question too. Like, <laughs> what was your biggest barrier? And so, um, yeah. So why did you then make that decision to enter the industry? And then you said that you're hoping to offer, you know, women a chance to be authentic. Uh, was there anything else along with that vision that you saw when you were creating uh, Kinky Curly? Yaki? Um, yeah. So... Uh, you know, I don't, honestly, I didn't think it would, I didn't know it would do what it was going to do. I didn't know it was going to become a seven figure business because that's not what I, that's not why I started the business. Mm, Right. Um, and so I started it because I wanted to look authentic. And then I thought, well, if I can look authentic, my sisters can also look authentic. Someone's going to buy it. right? Right. And because I get, I think because I had that earnest, I had that that's what I wanted for people. It came through in everything that I did. And they saw that I wasn't about the money. And to this day, I'm not about the money. Don't get me wrong. I am a small business. I need to make profit in order to feed my child. Right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But at the end of the day, you know, I get called, I get, you know, I get, I have conversations all the time with people like, Oh, you're going to sell your business. Um, you know, you're going to raise the pricing. You're going to No, You know what, what I set out to do is to create a premium product at a reasonable price. Right. Yeah. And also kind of back to what you were saying before, um, you're talking about, you know, the imposter syndrome and people posting things. And uh, one of the reasons I actually uh, wanted to approach you was because, yeah, there is a lot of that. And some of the people that you necessarily don't see posting all the time are the ones actually doing really well. So I do like to look at LinkedIn and kind of look at profiles and look at, um, you know, people's backgrounds and see, because a seven figure business is no joke and doing it with, with the natural hair industry. I'm just wondering, like when you're going through that process of getting there, did you have mentors as well? And, um, what kind of, yeah, what kind of rigorous, um, disciplines did you have to do for yourself to kind of get there well creating this business no i did not have i did not have a mentor i literally just i literally made stuff up as i was going along and it turns out like i mentioned before it all came naturally so i structured my days in such a way where i was consistent so every single day i had a schedule where i would do things i would do things i would do things consistently Consistently. people always say you know what you know how are you how do you stay motivated you can't stay motivated every day. Every day is not, you know, every day is not sunshine and rainbows. <laughs> um, so you have to fall back on consistency. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's basically what helped build my business because I was consistent in everything that I did. Um, and I would do it no matter what. So if I was feeling tired, if I was sick, if I was whatever, didn't feel like it, still had to get up and go do it. That's the thing with entrepreneurship is that it's 24 seven. It's like being a mother. You don't, you're not a mother because when you feel like it, you're a mother 24 seven, same thing. An entrepreneur. And yeah. I always tell people, if you are a terrible employee, you're going to be a terrible entrepreneur. Uh-huh. Because it's like you're working for yourself. Yeah. And if you don't have that discipline to begin with. Yeah. No, that's amazing. Um, yeah. So, I kind of want to go back to that global brand. So when you're starting, 
you you kind of started more local. How did you break into becoming? Actually, like- I did not start local. I okay. immediately started in the U.S. Because, immediately, um, okay. Immediately, because okay. they, I, I knew one, they were the biggest market, mm-hmm. um, and also, um, when, while I was doing my research, I found myself in these Facebook groups or on uh, black hair forums. So okay. I kind of had, I had a reputation for myself because, you know, I'm not going front. I'm funny. Right. <laughs> so, you know, I would, with my little witty remarks or, um, you know, my empathy, you know, that type of thing. So I'm known for having that personality. Right. And so I knew, um, and, and you know, I, and there's a big difference between the Canadian Canadians and the, in UK, like yeah. the European market and the U S market. The okay. U S market is very much ready to support black business and willing oh. to try. Yes. Okay. Um, so my first, yeah, my first, my very first order came from New Orleans. Wow. I know, I know exactly who my top three, my first three orders came from. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's interesting you're saying that because I would, I would think, and of course this is the area where you're the expert in, I would think the U.S. would be way more into that straight Remy hair, just because based on like documentaries, I've seen like good hair and all that. I would think that would be what they'd be more interested in than yeah. over here. <laughs> well, because yeah. this was at the time when YouTube was just, um, YouTube was really rolling along and you mm. started to see women with 3C, 4A, 4C hair doing tutorials on how to take care of your hair on YouTube, right? Mm-hmm. So more and more women were starting to wear their hair natural. Right. Now, if you wear your hair natural, you know you can't wear it out all the time. You've got to put it in some sort of protective style. So if, you're going, to protect, if you're going to put it in a protective style, why not put it into a texture that looks like your hair, that mm-hmm. looks like something that would grow out of your scalp so that you're not, you know, asking. So Karen and Chad aren't asking you questions. Oh, what did you do to your hair this week? Keisha, you know? Um, yeah. And so, yeah. And so, you know, Americans are very much, they're, they're ready. They're always ready with their dollars. Hmm. Um, so then that's, I say 87% of my business comes from the U S. Wow. Yeah. That's insane. And I'm still here in Canada. Well, <laughs> it's it's kind of like you you picked up at the right time to you kind of caught that wind absolutely yeah. well, what you do is even when you're creating it doesn't matter what business you're doing you have to do your research mm-hmm. so you have to if you're going to create um you know um you know a market for whatever product you want to sell you have to research who the primary consumers are i already mm-hmm. knew the states you know the united states they've got um you know 30 million black people there that's the same population as the size of canada Mm, yeah. Right? So yeah. I I already knew it was going to be a success in can in, in the United States. Right. So it was just a matter of you know of of putting it in their hands and letting them run with it. I built my business on word of mouth and social media, and this was before. This was back in 2012 when you know Instagram first launched. Right. Yeah. So um, I was one of the first companies that had an Instagram page. So okay. um, so yeah, you just have to be on top of things. You just you have to watch the market, study the market, study the consumer, and be where they are. Right. Um, that leads into this question too. Uh, what initiatives did you take to create your brand? So I noticed that you had Issa Rae wearing your hair. Was that a brand partnership or was that just because she like loved the hair? And were there any stylist. brand partnerships? <laughs> so it was her stylist. For, for yeah. the most part, anytime you see a celebrity wearing any sort of weave, or a protective style, it's usually their stylist. So their stylist uh, is stuff below them and they're the ones who are watching everything, right? Got it, got so, it, got it. Um, so they bought it, they bought it on their own. 
And okay. of course, Issa Rae didn't buy it. The stylist bought it and then came back and said, hey, I put Issa Rae in your hair. And I was like, word. <laughs> right? like, that's so dope. Yeah, and yeah. That happens all, and it happens all the time. All the time. So it's really that connection between the stylists. And, uh, and then luckily it shows up on the right person that kind of has the influence. Yeah, I was just wondering if there were some brand collaborations that you did on the way up to uh, making yourself more visible. What I did was I worked with, um, at the time, they were vloggers. So they were just okay. women that were doing, you know, YouTube videos and mm-hmm. vloggers, right? Absolutely. So I started using influencers before influencers were a thing. Awesome. Right? awesome. Yeah. So, um, so I took, or, you know, I took advantage of that. And that's, and these were just everyday women who were just, you know, showing you how to do your hair. And that's <laughs> yeah. how, that is, that is how I grew my business. Awesome. Um, and yeah, uh, thank you so much for all that you've been telling us. I just have like one last question for you. (laughs) And I wanted to ask, what do you value the most about being an entrepreneur? I value my influence or my power. So what I realized is that, um, you know, they say what businesses have a very high failure rate. Yeah, yeah. Right. Being an entrepreneur is a really tough thing, mm-hmm. um, especially when you know you're just starting out and you need to solidify your space in the, in in the in whatever space that you decide to be in. But what I realized was that I'm one of not a lot, not mm-hmm. a, not many, and not many that look like me. Right. So what I value is being that star, or you know shining so that other women that look like me can shine mm-hmm. too. So it's like, you know, especially just even just being a black woman, period, and not having to conform to anyone else's standards, but my own and showing that I can also be successful doing that. So I find that that's my, like, that's what I really value and what I really enjoy about being an entrepreneur is showing my little sisters who were in high school that, girl, you can do it too. That's awesome. So that's, that's what, that's what I get. Like I, that's the kick that I get out of being an entrepreneur and plus being able to provide for my family, um, in a non-traditional way that they, you know, so I can be like, well, I told you I could do it. (laughs) 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 That's awesome. No, thank you so much for your time. And, uh, I will have all the kind of links so that um, whoever's listening could also follow you, follow your brand, uh, follow any other projects you have. Uh, This was probably for a different kind of talk, but I know you also started a coaching as well. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. So what I do is I do e-commerce coaching. Um, So I help uh, established businesses fine tune their Shopify operations, marketing and branding. Um, So if anyone out there needs help with that, holla. Awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks again, Vivian K. It was great to have you on today. And thank you for your time. And I'm sure the audience got so much value out of this interview. No, you were absolutely welcome. Thank you for having me.